A lot of ajasa. Hmm. Second turning by the rights. That's what we're breaking down today. And I have with me some interesting people who have, you know, been on previous episodes. But if you're listening to this for the first time, let me reintroduce them. Motolani Alake is a music editor or the music editor at Pulse Nigeria, one of um, Africa's biggest media platforms. And Shegun Akonde is a, I'll call him an all-rounder, he's a writer, content, you know, content, all-round content man, and currently works as, um, he works at Maven. All right, so if you guys know Maven Records, Shegun, what's your job designation? My official role is a content strategist. Okay, I know for a fact that he does more than that. Professional fraud. Yeah, but yeah, and I have you guys on the podcast. Um, thank you for being here. Um, there's a reason why I have specifically you guys on this episode as we break down a lot of Ajasa's second turning by the rights album. Um, because Motolani grew up in Akure. Um, Ouch. You're away. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he grew up in Akure, so it's we we just have to have him you know on this episode to really break down this album from you know a fellow akure man and of course shagun schooled in adeokiti which is a stone throw from akure yeah 45 minutes uh-huh 45 minutes drive and um when this album dropped where were you guys when this album dropped i was in uni okay on road level yeah, which school um university of adeokiti okay yeah, yeah. that's what i meant yeah, that's what i meant this idiot yeah. <laughs> and so you guys have been friends since uni days yeah, yes. and you heard the album when obviously in Adeo Kitty as well yes. it, was, it was funny enough it was the first like bit of music that I heard when I moved to to Ado because it was the first bit of music that I heard when I moved to Ado um, I think Lefe, we'll get into it in detail but there was a particular song at that point that kind of defined my first year in uni so yeah fantastic fantastic so let's let's as we always do let's go you know, let's go to the background. Let's find out how this album came about. Background here is quite simple. Lord of Ajasa, one of the, you know, we can describe him as a pioneer indigenous rapper. In a way, yeah. In a way. Um, To go a bit further back, I think one of the most prominent indigenous rappers was um, AY. Yes. AY from the UK. Yes. Right? And he dropped an EP called uh, the AY Tobati Ready EP. Yes. Hard records like Hard to Survive, yes. um, We Go Make It, yes. Shayo, you know, yes. and he was like the, you know, prominent guy, but of course he was based in the UK. Yeah. So what we would get was, you know, anytime you release music, if there was a music video. Yes. But coming down into Nigeria, indigenous rap was almost not available anywhere, yes. right? And a, and a lot of Ajasa was the first, one of the very few rappers who, you know, embraced rapping in, you know, his um his native his, his, his native tongue and his dialect, and um his first album we dropped in I believe two thousand and five two thousand and six, um it's titled it's too much that's the name of the album, you know I I like when album names were really creative, <laughs> you know so, sorry to you know segue but who remembers Sam Sultan's first album, <laughs> who remembers the name of the first album, can you guys remember? So the album is titled. <laughs> that is the name of the album. The album is a hiss, but it's spelled as K. So it's which is so it's right. So it's spelled it as like K S P W E E E E W. You know that's the name of the album. Wow. 
Yeah. That's like super ambitious. Yeah, so you know, album names were really creative. And I just at the time, you know, had he used to say, It's too much. Yes. You know, so he just named the album is too much. And he had, you know, singles like uh Otiya, yes. it's too fat. Yes. And um and um a record called Iranla. I love you, I love you, Iranla. Iranla. I, I literally forgot that track. Exactly. That, that track. That song, wow, the video wow, of that really song was was shot in a, I think either Tasty Fried I've Chicken or Sweet video. Sensation. Like My dad was a big fan of the song. Oh. So that album was actually a compilation of songs he had released over a period of time. And so when he dropped this too much, he also put Iranla and everything in there. And moving into 2008, hip-hop was becoming bigger. Two years before, the first hip-hop world awards had held. Right and mode nine beat Lord of Ajasa yes. to win lyricist on the road. But the big takeaway, right from that, was Lord of Ajasa was actually in the conversation. You know, he was nominated for lyricist on the road, and he was in that conversation. And to me, that was the breakthrough, or at least one of the first breakthroughs for hip hop, indigenous hip hop in Nigeria. That you know, someone who raps primarily you know, in his, in his local dialects, actually nominated and recognized. And I remember he had a whole, he had a full page in Hip Hop World Award yeah. where, um, you know, it was dedicated to him on how he lost the award, but yes. it was a big win for him and all that. And in 2008, he dropped his second album, which again, we like to call things a classic. I like to call it a cult classic, obviously. I think it was a very groundbreaking album that inspired the likes of Dark Green and, you know, going forward, the reminiscences and the other guys. Second turning on the right, the only way I can describe this album or the best way I can describe this album is if Hush Puppy's Life was a movie, Second Turning on the Right is the perfect soundtrack to it. As the greatest take ever. <laughs> facts, facts. When you guys heard this album, you know, after you heard the singles, but when you heard the album, what was the feeling you got? Shagun. Let me go first. Um, so, I'm going to take it from the the context around the music I was talking about. Um, I'd moved from Lagos to Adoikiti. And back then, it was mostly like, you know, knowing like the whole internet fraud thing from where boys used to put flash drives on their necks. And for then, it was like a sleeper culture. You knew there were G-boys, but it was still like, oh, I know this guy. I don't really know what the lifestyle is about. I don't know what they do. And then in 2008, I moved to Adoikiti for school. And I think it was like three or four weeks after I moved, I started hearing this guy. To be honest, I used to laugh at him a lot because... He was trying to do this whole westernized hip-hop thing. But his diction was clearly like, this guy now, a Korea guy. <laughs> like, yeah, you're away. I know that. And I'm like, yeah, like just speaking, like stop doing this thing. But then, I think it was the narratives. It was just, I was like 14 or 15. We had just gotten into school and hearing someone describe, funny enough, it was a lifestyle that I would see for myself over the next like six, seven years. But hearing him like describe it in such vivid detail. It was crazy, man. It was crazy. Because, and the funny thing is, I hate to say this, but I can bet that there were a lot of people that started to do internet fraud because of that project. Were inspired to? Yes. Wow. In Adwe Kitty. Wow. Big facts. In School Gates, Adwe Kitty. Not boys, <laughs> if you're hearing this. Shit. Shout, out, shout out to School Gates. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, any of you guys were inspired to? Um no, I was okay. never I was never I was never in that. I wouldn't expect yeah. you guys to say yes on record. <laughs> <laughs> um I just I was big in Akure. So it was huge because we we could identify with him. He was like the Danny Young and the um ID Kabasa. So Danny Young 
the problem with akura is very simple everybody knows everybody so if you if you are if your parents if you are from a particular class you could only go to a handful of schools mm. so you either went to st louis or bishop hughes or if your parents are the very low, low class you go to some of these other schools so everybody knew everybody mm, so, so if they mention your name some will say oh i know him and his, his older sister used to date my brother or something like that so ajasa's story was he was an okaru boy he identifies with the, with the place he carries it on his head so for a lot of people iranla was the intro to ajasa the radio stations in that place embraced him so when arawe dropped arawe took over everywhere so the thing is the language that akure people speak and the ekiti dialect they are very similar yeah yeah so and it's some parts of ocean states say ijesha the language if an akure person speaks and ijesha person will understand them and lisha person will understand them so the music sort of moved through effortlessly ara will it was just saying how are you mm. what i heard is what is the reason why i'm saying hi to you so when that, it wasn't even about the entire internet fraud thing as, as as at the start for a lot of people it was about the identity and the fact that people could, could understand him they could tell where he was coming from lagos was the was the the ideal place for anybody that grew up in akure aside getting getting out of nigeria so here is a guy that featured on nice's debut album mm-hmm. and did great he was moving with coded tunes he was moving with too far he was I think Ajasa inspired a new generation of rappers. I don't know if you're going to remember this guy called Timothy. Why why will I forget? Yeah. Timothy. So the, there's a, there's a guy called Timothy who, who released a song titled Oklomsi. And it was inspired by a lot of Ajasa. So mm. Timothy came out with a song titled Oklomsi. Omotoromani. It was so obvious, <laughs> it was like... so so the idea it was inspired by Ara Will to start rapping. Let's listen to Ara Will. Yeah. All my people all over the world. This is for you, you know what I'm saying? I take it out. Ara weo. Oh, di mo bani Ni kolo mo rizin ti mo fi jo mo dudu 
to Arawe, it's like he's identifying himself as you know, an Omoibile. Yes. And I think it was the best way to start the track. It's track two on the record, right? Best way to start the track, best way to introduce himself. Um, but you know, I want to I want to know, where was where did where did Ajasa grow up? Did he grow up in Akure, then move to Lagos, then blew up from yes. Lagos? Yes, it was a know? transplant. So why 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 was it important for him now you're in Lagos, you're rolling with Coded Tunes, you're hanging out in Bariga, why was it important for him to identify with where he was coming from. Why? He went to school in Ondo State. Mm. Like, even though he grew up in Akure, he was born in Akure, grew up a little bit in Akure, and then moved to Lagos, he went back to Ondo State to attend Polytechnic. So, the idea for a lot of Ajasa was that he... It's a problem, it's a thing like, it's, it's a thing for like Kanye West, for example, identifying with Chicago. Kanye West grew up in Atlanta. Mm. But, where would you call home Chicago. 
that's the thing. That that was the thing about with a lot of Ajasa. He needed to resonate with a particular audience. He needed to speak his truth, and then he made an album that was going to speak the language of the people in that particular place in a way that they are going to understand. Hip hop, hip hop was dominating the Nigerian airwaves at the time. Hip hop was defining everything that we knew. Hip hop was defining our pop music. So he found a way to make the hip hop that they are going to understand and they are going to be able to consume, and that was how he made it. And then he was speaking. So it was internet fraud had been around for a while, but around the mid two thousands, that was when every teenage boy wanted to be rich because he wanted to have money. I mean, between two thousand and six and two thousand and eight was a high point for yes. you know um, that culture yes. and people embracing the culture, especially you know from universities and other towns yeah. other than Lagos, right? Yeah. And you can hear him on our way. He talks about it. I still the browse. Yes. You know, for those who don't understand Yoruba, like, you know, my, my, clients. Uh, my clients, you know, in, in echoes, you know, is, is pain. And then the police aren't happy, you know. So he references that even in this kind of record. And you start to look at the other tracks on the record. And you, you start to think, you know, how did he conceptualize this album? You know, then why did he make this album the album for those guys? Why did he make it the soundtrack for those guys? What's the motivation behind it? You know, that's 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 the question that I've been asking myself ever since I listened to this album. I, I think for me, there's there's something that um that's kind of slightly important to this. The fact that Akira is a university town and Adoikiti as well, because internet fraud really blew up around university towns. It was mostly kids that left Lagos that experienced these things that True. kind of transplanted. Anibado. Anibado as well. Um, Ogumosho with Lautek. Yes. Ogumosho was huge. Funabda, Belkuta and all these guys. So, um, I think there was also an underdog element. I made music for a while in school <laughs> and there was, he made music for a while in school. Yeah, Tolani, you can't laugh because you're a producer. Fake yeah, news. Which is EDM beats that I used to shop up and down in class. <laughs> EDM beats in 2008 yeah, is wild. Like, come and hear this beat. Let's just move on. Mm, Akure Calvin Harris. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh, there was always this sense of, even for those of us that had grown up in Lagos, there was this sense of like, you're from Ado, a bunch of kids who probably wouldn't have had this kind of prominence. Because it, it took very little to be noticed in Ado Ekiti. And I assume it, it worked that way in Akura as well. So we knew there was a sense of, you have all this shine down here, but if you go to Lagos, nobody knows you. So there was this sense of, let's rep for where we come from. And he, he shone through a lot in his music. It was very like, it gave a sense of like, it's the kind of music, Araway was music that we used to, we never listened to Araway alone. Yeah. It's like you're playing it in a room with a bunch of guys and guys are just, someone shouting from outside the window, someone else is singing from the bathroom. It was always like that. So I feel like he kind of just found a sweet spot in this underdog culture of where I come from mixed with the fact that there's this growing community of like young people trying their hands at internet fraud. So it was... I don't know the right song to compare it to in today's like at the moment, but it was a very if you are doing this thing, if you're a Lagos boy in Adoikiti that was around fraudsters or so the mafia of his time. Exactly. Or or just witnessing even the culture of what interim fraud was. I, can, I can remember specifically are. the first day I heard that song. It was my new hostel in School Gates. There was a building in front, it was owned by indigents. But there were a bunch of bad boys in that place. I mean, I was just 100 level, but I'm like, there's no way I'm going to go inside this hostel before they beat me. So I used to observe them from outside. And there was one day, they just packed drinks at the back of the hostel and they were playing music and they played that right away. 
And old boys say, ah, ah, well, first off, I didn't really understand the dialect, so I wasn't hearing everything he was saying mm-hmm. clearly. So Ara always kind of set the tone for the album. He introduces himself. So you get a feel of what it is, right? I'm this Akira guy based in Lagos. I'm a hustler. I make music, or at least this album is somewhat curating the experiences of what is happening in the streets. As at 2008, music is also opening up. Nigerian music is opening up, right? It's two years after Don Jazzy and the Banjo have arrived. 2008 is the same year. Nice is dropping Gongwaso. Nigerian music is now being embraced. And I think, you know, it's the right moment to actually release the kind of songs you want to release now for people to really embrace, right? So it, it, it just fell in the year that, you know, that kind of music would be accepted. I want us to now go into the singles and how everything dropped. I think the first song I heard from this album was Eshalubadi. Eshalubadi, if you want to describe it, is a Friday night. Eshalubadi is how you describe what you do to outsiders. <laughs> and we will go into New Era, which is the mantra song for the insiders. But let's let's play Eshalubadi, really break down the lyrics and then come back to it.
said you please leave. Esha nobody. She ni mute pa mo she owo mi. Esha nobody. Adi ba she no dey walk all shoes around. Esha nobody. Uluwa ti ba mi da wusi. Esha nobody. Mi deni she ye mo. Mi deni ba ye mo. you hear the song it hits you for the first time you know as a hip hop fan for me this this was a one this was 100% this is hip hop this is how hip hop should sound hip hop good beats the dope ass chorus and the lyrics are very relatable right so and that's what ajasa kind of brought prior to this where the mode nines the terry rapmans who you know relied more on spitting metaphors similes and playing a lot with punchlines and words right ajasa is spitting his reality and you relate more you know and when i heard a shout lobadi again 2008 is probably the prime or the first peak of the first not the first wave but the first peak of internet you know fraud. internet fraud and you're you're seeing a guy break it down like granular he's not only doing that he's also giving you the reason and the motivation behind this there's no money in the country i have to find a way to feed my this is basically the same narrative and the same explanations you get from people who move in these zones Fuck. in 2020 right Oh, the politicians, we see what you're doing. You're moving money. Well, we also are going to move money the way we want to move money. You know? Um, he says, I'm going to talk about masters, don't reshare. You know, so you have people who have BSE holders, masters holders who don't have jobs. I'm not going to go down that route race. Facts. It's, you're basically watching Scarface yep. or you're watching, you know, the movie of the, of the the guy who comes from the streets and then turns into the kingpin and American while he's sitting gangster. while he's sitting on the throne this is the record you play yes. a shalubadi what's the meaning of a shalubadi it just came it came it came easy like no stress no stress work. yes yeah. and this was the this was the height of um internet fraud music if that make any, makes any sense in Nigerian music because two years late the earlier, earlier right and why people try to glorify or give you know Olu maintain the claim to pushing yes. this kind of music yes. it was just one song yes it was just yauzi yes. but this guy did a whole project that's described that that describes our life so what i think this guy is 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 like ti i'll say i'll say more like young jizi i think he's like ti who glorified drug selling more ti or young jizi yeah, young jizi glorified drugs but ti described a lifestyle true mm. i don't know if that makes mm. sense Ti is not exactly your bar rapper. He's not your metaphor guy. Ti is telling you a story. Most of this thing that you just said, Shalubade, if you want to be literal about it, it's almost like it cost me little. Yes, hmm. basically. So, and the way you did the song, for songs like this, most times, people either come from an apologetic perspective, like, this is what it's cost us to do this. Yeah. This is what we go through every day. Yes. Or they come from a oh, very hardcore, like, now you have to put in, dig in the trenches, stuff like that. Yes. I just I came from a very... Man, when you are ready to do this thing, you are going you are to very do it. Very small thing. 
Yeah. That's like, see, you fake BCC, you fake your Yankee, all those things. It will cost you little. But this is the path you have to follow. Exactly. And it was very instructive, but also from a very laid back perspective. Yeah. I think what he also did that stood out from people at the time, say Kelly and some Ulumenten was, those guys just wanted to sell you the lifestyle. He's giving you a motive. He's giving you the game. He's giving you the game. He's giving you the motive. And that was the Why difference. Why it makes sense. You're right. You're absolutely right. Because... He, you know, Yahuze or Maga don't pay. Yes. It's the afterthought of yes. everything. It's celebratory oh. more than anything. Exactly. This guy is more like, these are the steps. And this, this is the reason why you have to do it. Yeah. This, if you don't do it, then you're not going to live the life you want to live. So he went to the back end. He yes. gave us the back end. That this is how did. it really yes. works. And that's why it's like T.I. So from, on T.I.'s debut album, for example, no, let's not even go to debut album. Let's go to trap music. On trap music, T.I. was talking about rubber band men. He was talking about how you are going to make money on the streets and you're going to put it in rubber bands. He was talking about why he was doing it. He was talking about how he was growing up in the hood and his parents or people around him, his uncles, were doing this thing because they had to make it out of the hood. That, that's why T.I. is more like T.I. than a young Jeezy. It's huge, it's huge, it's huge. 2008 is also the year M.I. Abaga released his debut album. Yeah. Talk about it. Critically acclaimed, everything you want to say about it. 2008 is also the year Nato C released his You Know My P album. Yes. Critically acclaimed, everything, right? It's crazy, yeah. When you go back to 2008, and you only Nigaro. think, and that Nigaro dropped uh, his second album, yes. um, Everything Remains Raw. Now, when you think about 2008 hip hop, right? You think MI, you think Nato, and the conversation always stops there. Yeah. Why don't people mention Lord of Ajasa and this album, Second Turning by the Right? Elitism. That's it. <laughs> Break it down. It's very simple because Ajasa is not exactly the most prodigiously talented rapper. It's more about the storytelling. I, I, I agree, but I cannot disagree because we just heard some songs and he's rhyming. He's rhyming very well. He's but rhyming then, everything. So, so here's the thing. As someone who came from the outside, I, like, I was listening to a lot of hip-hop at the time. I didn't catch on to like it didn't really it wasn't click attractive. For me it wasn't like two months after I listened to it. Without like outside I wasn't it wasn't a matter of my choice. They were just playing it around me for a while. So you, you you're saying you don't listen to you you didn't see I him didn't as a hip hop artist. It. Yes. I understood what he was trying to do. I saw like the, the cadence, the rhyming and everything. I knew this this is hip hop, obviously. But it didn't cut through. I, I can imagine for someone who was like was born in Lagos, who grew up in Lagos, spent all your time in Lagos. There's that outsider's feel. It doesn't really click because, first off, hip-hop is very narrative-driven. And you can't get the narrative if you can't hear what he's saying. So there was that dialect, apart from the language barrier, then it's not all Yoruba people that can understand the things he's saying. The things he's saying. Because there's a lot of, like, accurate dialect, a lot of slang thrown in. So I think it kind of created a sense of a, a limitation in terms of reach. Because there's only so many people that can understand the music first. It limits how many people can now begin to talk about it and posterity and all that stuff. Do you guys think all you know why you know the album or Ajasa didn't become as big as Emma and Neto? I think there are two reasons here. I think the first is he's rapping in indigenous language. He's rapping yeah. in Yoruba, right? That's and it too. wasn't and it wasn't as big as what it is now. Yes. You know, you have the likes of Alamides, the Naramalis. Yeah. You know, it's huge. That green blew it out of yeah. the water. But back then in two thousand and eight. If you were rapping in Yoruba, it probably wasn't the f- like, go-to album why would to I listen go to. Through the stress of like, why? Let's 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 make it easy and simple. 
people that were not rapping in English at the time were looked down upon by the hip hop community. It's simple. Because a lot of the things that we were enjoying or the things that we endorsed were they were English speaking rap from some of the biggest rappers. And some of the things that we loved that those people were doing, we were celebrating bars and metaphors and a lot of other things. And the English was sort of the attraction, the touch point for us. So if it got, when Rugged Man dropped his album, for example, dropped a song where he was rapping in Pigeon, a lot of people were saying, what, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? What does, you are, you, are, you are diluting the culture. Why are you doing that? It doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. When a Pitbull went into and dropped an album in 2003, his debut album, people were saying, even in the US, people were saying, why are you rapping? Why are you switching the, the dialects to, to, to rapping um, to rap in Spanish? Why are you doing that? So the problem with Ajasa here is, even though the stance had softened a little bit, he still had to fight an uphill battle against some of these guys. And didn't help him that the albums that these guys also dropped at the time, they were really, 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 really good. Solid stuff. They were really good albums. He also addressed it on our way. Young man, tell me where you get your skills from. from. Why are you rapping like you're... You're from foreign land. You know, you have to be proud of who you are. So I, I guess at, in 2008, he had already gotten that kind of feedback as to, oh, you should be rapping more in English or you should be rapping in Yoruba. And 2008 was a high point for that discussion, yeah. you know, being led by the Mode Nines and the Rugged Mans. Yeah. You know, some years earlier, Rugged Man had released, um, had put out Rugged Baba, yes. where he was advocating for, the same thing, yes. you know, more people to rap in, in their the local dialect. You know, nevertheless, Ajaxan still knew how to do one thing. One thing for sure that we can all agree on. He knew how to drop bangers. Yes. Serious bangers. He knew how to identify really good beats and drop bangers. And before we go into the high point of the album, which is Lenny Fenuso, I want us to talk about C-Drama. This hmm. is officially hmm. Sass's, Sass on the Beat's first True. production that went out there that then inspired the likes of Rugged Man to reach him and the other guys. That's crazy, man. Let's listen to C-Drama. Enjoy one, you can't do better. Money never, 'cause she drive me crazy. Here in Kong, 
everybody say yeah yeah We day yeah Oh yeah be ya And that's ya about the production. Yeah. We just heard C-Drama, SAS, Mad Beats, SAS's first official, you know. That's crazy, man. And this is the song that, you know, caught Rugged Man's attention and they did banging with basically samples this beat. Yeah. Which basically samples this beat and the first line, Omo Yakwayaski and, you know, that was the response to uh, Mood 9's <laughs> Dead Blue. Yes. Not strong enough, but I love the video. Yeah. Two shots was in the video. Good. But then there was a part in the video where where the girl actually goofed the lead model. And you know who the lead model was in that Rogerman video? Beverly Nair. Oh fuck! <laughs> yeah, I was watching it, you know, recently, and and it was Beverly Nair. So she was the one in with the, the banging lead. video. She oh was the one going God. banging simulating. I have to go and watch that shit again. Yeah, it was Beverly, a young Beverly Nair. Wild. A young Beverly Nair. But let's 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 we're focused on 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 lot of Ajasa right now. Let's move into. The darkest part of this album, which is New Era. Yeah. New Era is the song where if you think he was rapping about what he was rapping about on Eshalobade, you listen to New Era, it goes even deeper and darker, right? I listen to New Era and it teleports me into a cyber cafe, <laughs> right? With the large monitors. You know, remember the monitors with the with the yeah. The hunchback money. The hunchback, so to describe, you know, with the big tubes and everything and boys walking. Again, if you grew up in Nigeria between 2005 Five, yeah. or 2004 and 2009, this is peak internet culture. This is 
I think 2008 was when HP rolled out those compact press areas that were like 60 something, it's something. Yeah, yeah. started buying laptops. Yes. And started working from home. Yes. home you know, this it was is remote work, but before then, it was like you had to show up at the at office. At the cafe. Yeah, thank you. This is when people started transitioning, working from home. They would, you know, there was internet to set modem. up at internet yeah. modems internet and everything. Those small modems. Those modems. Yeah. Flash, flash based modems. And so you could start working at home, you yeah. know. So this was happening at the same time. But before then, this, you listen to New Era and you're like, it just takes you to that moment and you can literally see it. If you had people, if you had friends, if you knew people who were into these things, you could just see it. Everybody walking, shirts off, singlets, you know, slipper shoes, whatever, right? And it just describes vividly the motivation, the persona, I think before this album, I don't think any other album, and even after this album, only a few albums do this kind of thing that sticks to a subject matter and, and, you know, then makes it the theme of the album and really drives home the points. This is brilliant storytelling. This is what hip hop is. Why do you think, or how did Ajasa get to this point? If you listen to the first album, it's a bunch of, you know, collabo songs, a bunch of party songs, but in this album, he really weaves it through. And from start to finish. Do you now, think we don't give our Jasa his flowers? We've actually been missing the point. So a lot of our Jasa is, is actually not CI. It's Kendrick Lamar. I, I don't understand Tolani's <laughs> uh, comparison. Look at it this way. Look at it this way. Kendrick drops, he had dropped two mixtapes before Section 80, right? But then his debut album was actually Good Kid Mad City that described the lifestyle. I don't know if that makes sense. So, the concept is like the concept that that took that took center stage on Good, um, Good Kid Man City. I don't know if that makes sense. I think to in terms of making like a concept, a concept album, album yeah, a concept I, I with it. a central theme. But I like I like how this is a concept album, but doesn't really you know it doesn't really come off as a concept album. Can I, can I say something? I think it's very difficult to separate, and as much as I've tried to over the years, it's very difficult to separate this album from that internet for culture. And even though it was, you could tell you wanted to tell those stories. It's so obvious. Even in the parts where he's supposedly making love songs, he still drops these lines about like, I will show you flex. Yes. Like, it's only G-Boys that can show you that kind of flex. I think something that happened is, this is just a wild guess. But I wouldn't be surprised if Ajasa was living this life while he was making this project. Because hmm. there's something, and Tolani, you remember this, in, in uni at that time, you couldn't tell G-Boys in school, except maybe from their dressing. Because there was this like energy that was everywhere at that point in time where everybody was young or just flexing. The kids that they would think were going to hang out with their boys and work, some of them were going to like dance groups, some of them. But everybody had that communal, like we're working on something energy. But the thing that separated the G Boys was if you went into a hostel that had G Boys mostly, they would be working on crazy high level stuff, but they would be so lax and so playful that you wouldn't tell that it was like a $10,000 transaction happening. But someone is on the end, just dragging someone to one place and they're making jokes. And that was the energy of the project. It was serious subject matter, but it was very laid back. Like very serious locked. songs where it's talking about hardcore stuff. It's just very like thick. Because that was the energy of the culture he's talking about. They're doing serious stuff, but they never really like take themselves too seriously. So it... A big part of the project felt like someone that was narrating stuff he was going through, as opposed to it wasn't like a bird's eye view type of thing. It was narrating from a first person perspective. And I think that's why it came off like that. 
Hmm, interesting. Narrating from a first person's perspective, perspective and not, you know, I'm peeking through the window. No. I'm looking at what is happening. I think it was. It was. Though. Yeah, I think I kind of agree. But at the same time, um, I would also like, to, I think I would like to, to add that Eshalubade is, Eshalubade was or is the the lifestyle. Nearer is the grind. Mm. So the idea. It's the mindset. No, it's the grind. The grind itself. The grind itself. So you play you play a shallow body on a Friday night. You play new around the Monday morning. Yeah, no, not even on the Monday morning. Play, it's play, play it around seven thirty in the evening when you're about to start working. Oh, or, or you know like, you you know when they start. Okay, uh, I need to start. <laughs> <laughs> we need to check Tolani. All right, let's listen to let's listen to new era. Too much brain on my waiting to look for. Too much pay, money for signing. Hot day, hug up sashin. I'm a low one, one my sonny. Sometimes I might shape food day. Sometimes I might go because of my next pay. Most times on the highway, we just give it all it takes. You know, you know. It's like that. I'm taking the boom by the all. It's my ride. No, you want your own jacko, I bet. Any for that is conscious. So, from the color, it's like that. No be show you no I'm on a business. Uh, after investment, not interest. Oh yeah, I'm a worry care. Aha, I'm making money cause I can't see. Be happy at any angle. Get the fuck collabos. Nobody out here. I'm on this time too. Aha, I the hustle, I the struggle. This kind of time, I'm on to me and my boy. Aha, I need to flow okay, bye. These days I'm all making raye from coast to coast. Fans just the old streets too much. I don't know which one I go like most. I know they stop and they keep on the function. They collect my rights for all the junctions. More money, more responsibilities. I go the shape when I get all these abilities. It's my destiny. Nothing can change it. It has been written from the beginning that I go make it. So get far up ballet. Cause when I step on the scene, I step correct before we do the Be happy at any angle. 
guess this fuck collabo. Nobody out here on my stand too. Uh, I the hustle, I the struggle. This can't I go for me, I'm a bob. Uh -huh. uh, I'm into four whatever. Yeah. Good life, and new uh. era. The papa should need to wake your ass, the papa should need to wake your ass. Come on, the papa low lie you wake your ass, the papa low lie you wake your ass. Come on, the papa mato on your wake your ass, the papa mato on your wake your ass. Oh, Lord, you read that. Wake your ass. The papa should need to wake your ass, the papa should need to wake your ass. The papa low lie you wake your ass, the papa low lie you wake your ass. Come on, the papa mato on your wake your ass, the papa mato on your wake your ass. Lyricism, do you consider Lord of Ajax after he dropped this album? Do you consider him a top lyricist? Lyricist, yes. would you put him in the conversation with the MIs, you know, the Mode Nines, and all these guys? Yeah, I would. I would. Um, I, I can't say for all the stuff that happened after, but off of this project alone, I think mentally at that point, it was in the same space as because I was a huge MI fan when the project dropped, but it was in the same space as um. As NATO at that point for me, I was I was never a mood nine fine. So but for me it was like MI, NATO, adjusters, like those were the guys. So so if we if you do, why ten years, twelve years later, why isn't he in the conversation on top lyricists or one of the top MCs from that era? Why is he in that conversation? Is this because he didn't have like a great come-up story? Is it because his story wasn't pronounced? This is pre-internet culture when, as regards music. Is it that, you know, he's not in that, uh, you know, in that space? Is it that when Nice dropped Congwaso, he wasn't on the album? What is what is the reason why, or why is it that Lord of Ajasa is very, not mentioned with the greats? Very, very simple. Because timing, timing is very essential yeah. in, any, in any artist's life. You can do anything. You can do great things at any particular time. But if the timing doesn't favor you, your history is never going to remember you as it should. So the problem with a lot of Ajasa is, is that a guy who was better than him, who had way more hip-hop um, persona, who had, um, who had a better delivery, who understood hip-hop at a, at a higher level on a higher level than that Lord of Ajasa did in the green came and at a time when timing favored him and everything, it just basically eclipsed Lord of Ajasa. I, I wouldn't I, I would I would argue I would argue that Dagreen has more hip hop oh, sense than Lord of Ajasa. So the thing is because I can place this album. Yes. Right? This album, I can place this album side by side with I think CEO. it's better. No, I think it's better. I, I'll place I it. think it's better than CEO. You think it's better it's better than CEO? Yes. So. So we'll fight after this record. It's fine. I'm I not going to say better no, or I not, think it is. but I'm saying if I'm you not, have a CEO I'm conversation, not, I can yeah. bring second turning by the right and we can have a conversation I'm not, around yeah, fair, fair, I'm yeah, not yeah, the biggest true. fan of CEO. Let's put that out there. 
I'm not the biggest fan. I think it has too many, too much. I think it has an excessive amount of fillers. There's nothing in his head. Because well, we're, we're, well, we're not going in there. Let's not and go I, in and there. And I'm glad we've already, you know, we've already established. We've, right. we've even reviewed the album. Yeah. yeah. and I all sat with me and we did it. Oh, already. Yeah. nice, nice. When nice, was nice. that? You don't need to know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure nice. while they are listening to this, it's already out. So, yeah, it's yeah. fine. So if you guys haven't checked that out, please go go and check it out. Um, we we broke down um that green CEO. Like why I don't think you've answered the question. Oh, I did. You know. So you're saying that green eclipsed Ajasa. Timing favored that green than it favored a lot of Ajasa. Do you also think And hip hop accepted that green than it accepted a lot of Ajasa? Yes. Do you, oh, no, no. Yeah. Do you also think, you know, Ajasa didn't keep up the momentum with his with his third album, Third Avenue? Mm-hmm. I, th- I don't think that ma- that would have mattered. I think Third Avenue. So what had happened was Ajasa I mean, with this album, and we'll go into the production of this album, right? This album is well produced. The lyrics match it. The theme concept, fantastic, right? I give this album like an 8 over 10. And he then leaves, you know, Idi Kabasa, the Coded Tunes family, who, you know, primarily produced this album and goes to work with K-Solo. Right? A year before, you know, K-Solo had built the momentum, had done the thing with Timaya, was big, and then went to do Third Avenue with K-Solo. I remember when I, Steve, and I on the Loose Talk podcast interviewed ID Kabasa, and you know we mentioned and we broke this and we asked like what happened, yeah, you know. Yeah. And you know he had his answer, which is people make mistakes. And I remember in 2011 or 12, I met Lord of Ajasa at a concert in Ibadan, you know, and we were backstage and I introduced myself and we were talking and I said what happened. Second turning on the right was a dope album. Third Avenue wasn't what happened. And he admitted to me and said, I messed up. Maybe it was who I worked with or, you know, whatever. And I messed up. And I think it kind of took a toll. And from there, you know, he never was able to reach to that, to yeah. match up with any huge single. So I think it's a factor of those two things. One, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I think um, that's that's a factor because it's easy to forget that we, we don't look at projects in isolation as much as people try to claim. We don't look at projects in isolation. There's the... There's the element of the artist's career and their trajectory and where that project stands overall. And when you look at Ajasa's entire career and second turning by the right, it kind of feels like the artist never matched up to the promise he showed on this project. But also there's, I think there was something where, and Kabasa hinted at it at the um, the episode of Loose Talk where it came on. There was a trend with Coden Tunes where they created, they were trying to secure the Yoruba indigenous market then they would make a play for the larger market. They deal with nice to varying degrees of success. I don't think Ajasa stayed long enough for that to happen. Also, and it's, it's easy to ignore this, there are also like forces behind this. There's the marketing part. This project was not marketed in Lagos as well as... Outside Lagos. Country. Outside Lagos. Because I remember coming back from, from Ado and being surprised that Lefenuso wasn't as big as he was up there. So all these factors just kind of combine. So it, it, like you said, it's right. It doesn't really stand. Mi wouldn't have been as big as it was after I released talk about it if Mi two wasn't great. Yeah. See, I don't think everybody is getting my point. I agree with. I I totally agree with you know that that Green becoming the poster child for indigenous rap. Yeah. And you know everybody from. Post that green, right? Kind of gives him props for yes. inspiring the next generation. Yes. 
But you know, a few years before, you it know, was a lot of adjustment. It was a lot of adjustment. I was then, doing it all by himself. Yes, but that's the problem. It's about timing. Yeah, and acceptance. I yeah. get, I get the timing thing they're saying because at I that agree point, with timing. even hip hop as a culture wasn't. We say it was mainstream, but it wasn't really mainstream. Clearly, it, it, so it, it definitely wasn't mainstream. It wasn't mainstream. And yeah. the first project that kind of made hip-hop mainstream was M.I.'s project. Hip-hop, Everything that came after was seen different. Hip-hop was mainstream. It wasn't. It was the, the, the hip-hop way, culture was mainstream, but Nigerian hip-hop music Nigerian was hip-hop not mainstream. music was mainstream because a lot of the hits before 2007 were hip-hop records. How many... So, on the level of, like, pop artists, say the yes. two-face... Or like the debunge. Two Face was Nigerian, making hip hop music. Bro. Which Nigerian? Uh, no, I'm not, I'm not. No, 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 which no. Nigerian no. rapper. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want us to go there and say there pop can be, pop artists. There can artists. be ways that influence. There can be ways that genre. There can be ways that influence an artist music. Yeah, it's different from that genre in and of its own. Artists in that genre. Okay. Labels in that genre, songs okay. in that genre, being successful on level of pop songs. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the case with hip hop before Mi. What were the biggest Nigerian songs before 2007? The biggest Nigerian songs. Okay, if I don't mention the food, let's let's take an example now. Say Booty Call, for instance. Yeah. Was there any hip-hop song? Even as much as, to a very large extent, Booty Call is kind of like a hip-hop song. Were there any big hip-hop songs on that level? Let's take Booty Call, uh, Booty Call out of the question, right? Let's go to 2004 or 5. Mm. 2004, 5. five. You're looking at Two-Face. You're looking at The Band. You're looking at The Band. A little later. Yeah, later. Yeah, you're, you're looking, looking at, at Blackface. You're looking at Olumen. You're looking at, yeah. yeah, all those guys. You're looking at Face. You're not looking at any hip-hop artists. You're not. But, like, now, these guys can might play in that space, yeah. but they are not primarily not hip-hop artists. No. You guys are not getting the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is very simple. He said that hip-hop hadn't really we agree we all agree that the golden generation of in 2008 hip hop music was not mainstream. not mainstream i wouldn't agree what was the mainstream if who were had, the, who had the main mp3 player who was the mainstream 2007 that had 200 songs mm-hmm. 10 of those songs as a regular nigerian listener mm-hmm. were not hip hop songs how many Brian, nigerian artists Bro. Tolani, how many hip hop songs were being played at nigerian parties while they were playing um, Danny Young's "It's My Party," "It's yes, My Party" featuring yes, Ajasa, yes. and you know you could have rap verses here and there, but they were not hip hop songs. What is the point that you guys are trying to make that I don't understand? <laughs> the point is, hip hop was not mainstream at the time, and that's why. Like, let me it's corroborating let, what let you're me, saying. Me, the timing, me, yeah, it was the timing, and I think the way I'm trying to explain it is that if you have a mainstream sound, when it's like trapping the US now. Mm-hmm. A random Pology can drop a project. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, yo, this project is really big now. Mm-hmm. And it's popping. It's nice. It's a nice project. The reason why people know of Pology dropping a project is because Trap is the dominant sound as of now. If it was a niche sound, a very well put together project within a niche sound is not going to get as much reach as a random project within a popular sound. Might be respected. Can have critical acclaim. It's not going to have as much reach. And I reach. think that's what happened to Ajasa. It was the best hip-hop project as of that time, but hip-hop was not the biggest sound. So it, it, it popped among like heads and me off of the fact that I just moved to that place and I heard it there. But I'm pretty sure that if I was in Lagos when this project dropped and I'd stayed in Lagos for two years after, I wouldn't hold it in the highest esteem that I hold it now. I get what you're saying. There's, I mean, interesting conversations. Um, I'm glad that we can give Lord of Ajasa his flowers. I hope he's doing better. A lot of people have slaved so to say True. to to make amazing music and you know that is why we're making this podcast 
to really just celebrate them and give them their flowers, whether they are alive or have left us. Yeah. Um, let us. It's great having you guys here, <laughs> as usual. And I like the debates; very healthy debates. Yeah. Of course, inspired heavily inspired by Motolani. <laughs> um, but let's let's leave with the biggest song from the album, yeah. Lenu Fenuso, featuring Nice. Again, you could you could just see Kabasa's maestro here, and this was a precedence to what we were going to expect on Nice's. Um, Gongwaso album. Um, I wish they would have the band would have come together to make another album, you know, just after this album had dropped. But we'll enjoy what we have for now. So, thank you guys for listening. This is Lenu Fenuso featuring Nice. Oh, you're 
There you have it, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to subscribe to a Music in Time podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Rate and review it as well. Don't forget to share with friends and subscribe to our newsletter. You can find all the good links in the description below. And of course, follow us on all social media platforms. Thank you and catch you guys on the next episode.